On this episode of the Popcorn Diet, we're taking a swing with your friendly neighborhood webhead through the multiverses and mirror dimensions. That's right. We saw Spider-Man No Way Home. Get your popcorn ready. Spider-Man is in fact Peter Parker. My entire life got screwed up. Could you make it so that Mysterio never revealed my identity? You ready? Whoa, 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 hang on. What just happened? We tampered with the stability of space-time. The multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. Hello, Peter. Welcome all you good movie buddies to The Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other delicious movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williams and your very best good movie buddy. And joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Malhorn. David, after the second biggest opening of all time for a movie, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. You know, I a uh, little little tired. We're yeah. we're uh, recording this uh, the day that Hawkeye came out, and I stayed up till one a.m. to uh, to watch the finale, Oof. which we'll talk about on a different episode, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, we could have talked about it on this episode, but suffice it to say, there's a lot to talk about with Spider Man. There is, but uh, I'm doing great. You know, it's almost almost Christmas. You know, it's. It's a good time of the year. I'm about to start my shopping. So, you know, <laughs> whereas my shopping, not only is my shopping already done, my wrapping is already done. The gifts are already in a in a bag ready to be taken and distributed. So like I'm I'm ready to go. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I know you're not. I know weirdly, like there are many things that you do that stress me out. I know other people do Christmas like this. Like, I know, I think my dad did it like this. I, I know people do Christmas like this. And uh, I guess whatever, man, you know, you do you, I suppose. It's a Christmas tradition for me. You know, it what would is. be Christmas without going out on like the 23rd to try and uh, knock some gifts out? It's crazy. Um, and I have for, for all of all of you listeners out there, if my voice sounds just a little bit different, it's because I'm getting over either a cold or the flu. Thankfully, it's not COVID tested negative in every way, shape or form tested multiple times because I'm absolutely paranoid and wanted to be double sure. But my voice isn't 100 percent back, uh, but it's pretty close, I think. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, like you said, it's Christmas. Hawkeye just wrapped up. We got like literally a dozen movies coming out over the next two weeks that are going to try and take the throne from Spider-Man. But that is what we are here to talk about today. Spider-Man No Way Home, the third Spider-Man in the Tom Holland trilogy, the third solo, so to speak, Spider-Man movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, I mean, I mean, let's just go into it. Let's just start off, obviously, non-spoilers, which is going to be really difficult to do for a movie like this. But David, what would you think of Spider-Man No Way Home? It was great. You know, um, I think, you know, going into it, obviously there was a lot of, you know, I think this movie felt like more than any other movie. It had more leaks like <laughs> the uh, 
yeah. the uh, protection of what happens in this movie. This 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 ship leaked like a sieve from that standpoint. People, people were rabid for information, like like rabid. There's no other way to put it. Well, and I think the the important thing is obviously they telegraphed very early on or or gave you insight or very early on that this was going to be kind of a multiverse movie because in the preview you saw Doc Ock and you saw that Goblin was probably in, Green Goblin was probably in there and yep. you know it was uh, pretty well rumored that there was at least a, uh, one or two others in there from that which naturally brought up if we're getting the villains from another world are we going to get the spider-man from uh right other other worlds and would they really bring in you know the actors and the characters from all that so i think going into it for me like you know i felt like some of the stuff that was going to be like treated in the movie as like a surprise was not even to me who avoids spoilers at all costs um it was pretty difficult with this movie not to have a pretty good indication of of uh of who was coming and what was coming sure and and for people that live on a rock and and didn't i won't get too much into that but yeah um, but like still- the stuff that you said like the the villains and stuff were in the trailer they're on the poster exactly so, like at at the same time as as respectful as we try to be of spoilers like one of the things that i always want to say is like People need to understand what spoilers are, you know, and like if it is included in the marketing of the movie, somebody's trying to sell you a movie like it's not if the yeah. studio doesn't consider it a spoiler, then it's not a spoiler. You can black out whatever you want, and that's fine. But like <laughs> we we run by studio rules here. Yep. So I think from that standpoint, you know, it was, uh, you know, for me going to the movie, it was more how are they going to pull this together? You know, obviously, you know, I think the trailer gave a pretty good insight into what was going to be kind of the um, trigger or the the thing that caused all of this, you know, in the sense that from the last movie, when we ended the last movie, basically uh, Mysterio revealed Peter Parker to be Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and we're pretty much picking up shortly after that. It doesn't. Did, did it ever say how? far after this because obviously they were in Europe so it wasn't uh well the the movie starts and 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 again like you can this is online the movie starts literally the second after the last movie ends yeah so there is no span of time like this movie spans time obviously because far from home like you said they were on I don't know if it was summer vacation or whatever but they were obviously in Europe traipsing around and that movie ends with them swinging through New York that movie ends spoilers for far from home um, that movie ends with, as you said, J. Jonah Jameson and Mysterio revealing to the world that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. It ends with the great like, oh, holy crap, you know, moment. And um, boom, this movie, we're right into it in this movie. Yeah. So, I mean, from that standpoint, you know, you kind of knew that. And then you had, um, you know, that triggering into you know, in the preview, we saw, you know, Peter Parker um, basically going to Strange and saying, you know, can we undo this? And it 
seemed pretty clear from the the trailer that that was going to cause this rift or something was going to go wrong and it was going to be you know potentially cleaning up the mess but i think um despite you know all of that being really telegraphed i think what makes this movie great is not necessarily the surprises and the cameos and things like that like that is all really fun but i think it does a really good job of um like a lot of the marvel movies especially i think in the you know these recent movies and these recent shows and that kind of thing but having a little bit more depth than just like the spectacle of it all like one of the things that i think about is like spider-man was super popular the first time it came out like sam rami's spider-man with toby Maguire was super popular but i think it was looked at at least for me as like a lot of it was like kind of the flash in that that was really great about it like the casting was fantastic some of the effects were great all that kind of stuff um and then i think andrew garfield is typically looked at as kind of a a, a uh, lesser of the three yeah. Um, typically if people were ranking them. Yeah. And so um, Toby's, you know, Toby's, I think Toby's and Sam Raimi's always had that earnestness that some may even I mean, nowadays may even think of as slightly cheesy and Garfield's for as much as I liked Garfield as as Spider-Man himself and Peter Parker himself, like they just kind of missed on everything except for the chemistry between Garfield and Emma Stone, like the villains and eh. the, the extra like, oh, Peter Parker, your parents were secret agents and eh. like Peter Parker, not really being a nerd. Like he's kind of like a cool skateboard nerd. Like he's not really a nerd. He's more of like a I'm an outsider. Yeah, it just didn't it just didn't work, you know, but despite Garfield being incredible, I've always liked Garfield in the role. Yeah, but I think the thing with with all of that is coming into this movie, it was like, OK, we're going to bring these characters back, but. Is it going to is there going to be enough substance to it or is it going to feel like there's too much that it's taking on? And, you know, there's you know, we lose track of kind of like. Where Peter's arc is going, and I think they do a good job of blending, like using these characters coming back for a purpose while still progressing what is obviously the common thread of this current phase that we're in with marvel which is multiverse um while also kind of naturally i don't want to say closing the book on you know a lot of times movies work in kind of trilogies or storylines work in trilogies these days um we've seen that with a lot of kind of the marvel movies in general um we've gotten kind of three three movie arcs you think of iron man you think of um captain america like all of them kind of got three movies sure um and so i think this kind of you look through the peter parker arc and like this did a great job of progressing that through and and where we're left off could go a lot of different directions but it feels like we've kind of closed the book on high school like homecoming introduced high school spider-man like when we had toby Maguire, it wasn't really high school and and even andrew garfield like i don't really think of it as like a high school movie um even though i mean it's got prom it's got like it is and that was always the main goal of this original series you can talk yeah. to i think amy pascal is a producer for sony who runs sony kevin feige even the director john watts always said that they intended for each 
you know, uh, 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 movie in the series to represent a different year of high school. And while that's not a hundred percent accurate, like it does, it it keeps Spider Man in high school the entire time, which was always Andrew Garfield character. His he graduated high school at the either beginning or end of the second one. Yeah, you know, Tobey Maguire graduated high school like in the middle of the first one. You know, so they really let they really leaned on, especially in this movie, which I loved. They really leaned on the fact that like this guy, Spider-Man, is just a kid. Mm-hmm. Like He is still just a kid with the weight of the world on his shoulders. And he's still just trying to do the right thing, which justifies some of the decisions that that are made in the movie and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I think uh, for me, it was it was a good it was a great third movie as well as it feels like it fits really well into setting the table for continuing kind of this multiverse conversation as well as um you know kind of opening some doors for a number of different directions that we they could go with tom holland and spider-man and and obviously there's things outside of you know what's happening in the movie that will play into this um that i'm sure we'll talk about at some point with like the whole Sony Marvel dynamic that could be playing a part in all of this, but sure. um, I love the movie. I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I think, um, I mean, I think most of everything worked. I think, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the core trio, you know, Tom Holland, Zadea, um, Jacob, uh, Batalone, is, is that how you pronounce that? Batalone. Yeah. Um, as, as, Obviously, Peter Parker, MJ and Ned are, are characters that have grown up through all three films that you have a history of, which is great. I think obviously Doctor Strange is in this movie and I was surprised in the ways that they used him. And I thought that it w- it worked out really well. Um, the villains, as we mentioned. Oh, fantastic, like. they they worked out so well and there's an argument to be made that like maybe you don't get the full brunt of it if you haven't seen the previous spider-man movies or whatever but at this point in time like what are we even talking about with that kind of stuff like we live in the age of binge watching we live in the age where people sit down and watch 10 straight hours of a netflix show or they'll sit down and they'll they'll literally mow through time permitting seven seasons of a television show in a month you look you're looking at one of them i'm one of them who who did that this over this last summer so like i honestly cannot handle people's excuses of like i gotta watch the other spider-man movies like give me a break watch the other spider-man movies you know shut your mouth (laughs) and enjoy the movie um i thought that you know, we, we you've mentioned the multiverse a couple of times. And the thing is, is that we, we I, I love the kind of slow burn that Marvel, particularly Marvel, has taken to implement and like actually unveil or unleash or whatever you want to talk about the multiverse itself. Because obviously in 2018, we had Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And that is what and that's, you know, we haven't really mentioned that yet. That's kind of the catalyst that kicked all this off. 
in the sense that people watch that and we're like, wait, you can do this? Like, and, and you want to talk about making an effective movie that introduces a bunch of Spider-Man that you've never seen before. Like, look at Spider-Verse. Um, and then obviously in Far From Home, they, you know, Mysterio plays himself off as a multidimensional, you know, warrior, you know, which all turned out to be BS. But then WandaVision happens. And then we start getting more and more and more like, wait a minute, this is actually real. Then what if happens? We watch what if and what if is like, well, there are definitely multiple universes. And then Spider-Man No Way Home happens and we really start opening up. And Loki, I didn't even mention Loki, you know, and, and I love the slow burn of not only that, but as you said, I feel like this tells a full and complete story with the characters in this trilogy very effectively while also serving the overall MCU-ness of it, of it all, right? Because as you said, you know, they got to carry on this, this bigger overarching storyline and, and, and whatnot. And I was just thrilled. It's just a thrilling movie. It's just, it's everything you want in a movie theater movie. Obviously, this movie opened to the second biggest box office opening of all time. We're not going to litigate what that means during a pandemic, but I mean, it's obviously this is what people wanted to see, and they saw it as A-plus cinema score, critically adored, like just uni universally, this is what people wanted. Um, is there anything that stuck out to you, obviously, in the movie itself, like if you had to point out without spoilers, one or two things that that stuck out to you as what made this movie really enjoyable. What would you say? I think I, I enjoyed the way that they kind of blended in the characters from the multiverse. I think some of it was expected um, as far as keeping characters kind of in line with where they were last we met them. Um, but I think some of them were more unexpected um, the way that they treated some of the characters um, that we got that kind of were injected in from, from the multiverse. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, there's a couple of nitpicks that I'll talk about in spoilers, but um, overall, I think um, I was anxious to see, you know, knowing we were going to inject so many different characters and so many characters that we have history with, how that would come off. Would it feel too much like fan service? And a tiny bit of me feels like it was a little, little fan servicey, but I don't know where I could have drawn the line. So um, it's not surprising to me at all that, you know, it's a plus on, on a cinema score, just because typically movies that do this, you think of like other movies, obviously nothing's done like the multiverse necessarily, but like, I think of like, um, you know, something like Civil War. And it, that was something that we kind of brought, you know, lots of characters together. Or right. I'm trying to think of a better example. But regardless, like typically when movies do things that like people have wanted to see or even I think with this movie, it wasn't necessarily that like for years people are like, let's get the three Spider-Mans together or let's bring back villains from other ones or anything like that, like. I think people more like once they knew we were getting the multiverse, like that just like brought up ideas of like, 
well, does that mean we could bring back so-and-so or that we could bring back this character? And I think it does a pretty good job of balancing it. Um, for me, maybe there was a little too much, but uh, I think it all worked. I mean, at, in the end, it all worked and I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, it's hard not to it's hard not to get into the specifics without getting into deep, deep spoilers or, or what some may consider to be deep, deep spoilers, because as you said, as easy it is, is to find spoilers online. Like there were so many leaked images. There were so many insiders leaking information. There was still a huge amount of doubt. There was still a huge amount of like, we're not really sure. Um, or a huge, or, I mean, frankly, just a huge amount of people who aren't online in the, in the subreddits, like I am like hunting down information, but performance wise across the board, like I'm just so, like, I, I, here's the thing. I don't think movies like this get nominated for Oscars and that's a bummer. You know, we, I have gone on my Oscars crusade. We're in the middle of the Oscar season right now. That's a whole other episode, you know, where we get to talk about the updates, especially after we've seen a few Oscar films. Tom Holland is incredible in this movie. Like he gets the full range of emotions. You know, there are moments in this movie where he just gets to sit and cry. And I know that that does not necessarily a good actor make, but he is acting his ass off in this movie. And, and frankly, everybody is, you know, obviously the two villains that we see in the trailer, um, Goblin and Doc Ock, you know, they're de-aged a little bit. They're still incredible. Alfred Molina is still incredible. And I would argue that uh, Defoe, who comes back, who's on the previews, on the poster and stuff like that, I would argue Defoe cements himself as one of the best comic book villains with us with a second run at Goblin here. Like the performances are incredible. The action is incredible. There are moments in this film that are very close to are I wouldn't say equal to, but very close to the on your left scene in, in, in Avengers Endgame, very close to Thor arriving in Wakanda in Infinity War in that like my theater lost its mind. And that's incredible. That's incredible. Like, that's an incredible thing. Um, and I'm so happy I got to experience it. Uh, all right, Dave, a couple questions before we get to our actual popcorn ratings. Two questions. Where does this movie stand in the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe rankings for you? And where does it stand amongst all Spider-Man films for you? Tough question. Fortunately, we had this conversation previously, so I, I hope that you have a ballpark for it. I know I ballparked it on my letterbox, but where would you place Spider-Man No Way Home in like the lexicon of all the movies that have come before? Yeah, it's it's definitely tough. And every time we get in another Marvel movie, it's it's really difficult to kind of slot it because we've got so many at this point because we're up to what? I think like 26 movies, roughly. Yeah, it's a lot. And that's not even counting the shows either. Yeah. And so um, it was tough for me. I'm full disclosure. I am a I'm a big homecoming fan. So um, I just think that movie was near perfect as far as like what it was trying to be and the way it was composed and everything like that. So like I love homecoming. So me having this Spider-Man behind homecoming is more of a, I think, personal preference to type of movie. Um, 
Okay. And, and, and says more about my love of homecoming than necessarily, you know, dislike of this movie. Sure. Um, I think I can, I can safely say this gets into or is right around 10 for me. Okay. Um, so the movies that I know it's for sure behind are Ragnarok, Black Panther, Endgame, Iron Man, uh, Infinity War, and Homecoming. And it's probably behind Winter Soldier, Civil War. And then it gets into the conversation with like Guardians and Doctor Strange sure. um, for me. So um, it's right in that range for me. So again, the bar is set really high. Like at this point to crack the to crack the top five or 10, like you're in front of some good movies. But um, so, yeah, I think it's it's uh, top third for me, probably or close to top third. You got to be an all timer. I mean, the MCU has produced some all timer films. That being said, I have it at at number five right now. Um, Obviously, there's recency bias and stuff like that. I was just blown away with this movie. Um, I know and there I don't even I don't even know if I want to ask this question, but like I, I, I don't believe that it can get a huge push for like best picture or stuff like that. Like, I just don't think the Academy has the ability to recognize movies like this that don't have something like a social message side to it, like Black Panther, sadly, Endgame didn't get it. Infinity War didn't get it. So I don't think No Way Home could get it, but I do think an argument could be made that with the universal acclaim from critics, from audiences in the box office, I, I do think there's an argument to be made that this should be considered for the, one of the 10 best picture slots simply because like the last two years of, of movie going has been so desolate and just anxiety ridden. And this movie comes in and it's just like, see, like we can still do it. Um, I don't know what that says for like the power of the dog or the last duel or whatever, but there's an argument to be made there. Regardless, I have this behind Captain America, Winter Soldier, which is my all time favorite, Black Panther, Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Endgame. And then I have Spider-Man No Way Home right there uh, ahead of Iron Man, Civil War, Guardians, all those types of movies. So it's it's high on the list for me. What about for uh, Spider-Man movies? I will say. You know, I was talking about the earnestness of the Raimi trilogy and I was watching some Spider-Man 2 clips and Spider-Man 2 is very good. Like Spider-Man 2 is incredible. Some of it still came off as a little cheesy to me. Mm -hmm. So I put this behind. I put this second behind into the Spider-Verse as uh, on my Spider-Man rankings. Where, Where would you put it? I think it's three. Um, for me, I think it's behind homecoming for me again. Homecoming to me is like big homecoming for you. Yeah. The perfect like high school movie, like, you know, from the scenes, like the iconic dance homecoming dance scene in the car with with uh, with Vulture. Um, and there's a couple of scenes that I just like are some of my favorite moments in in all of Marvel, but it's done on such a smaller level. Um but still, number one for me, I'm like you into the Spider Verses, 
is still my favorite uh, Spider-Man movie followed by Homecoming. And then this would probably be third for me. Yeah. Spider-Verse is just like, again, as great as like Spider-Verse. It's, it's the exact opposite of watching clips from the Spider-Verse. And I know we've talked about this. You and me personally, I'm, I've been very emotional lately. I cry like at everything, although I didn't. I got I. I don't know if I fully cried in No Way Home. I definitely got close. Definitely got a little dusty in the theater. Um, I can literally just watch like like two minute clips from like the last 30 minutes of no of uh, Into the Spider-Verse and just start tearing up again. It's I don't I don't know. I don't know what it is. That movie emotionally connects with me in a way that I have no idea how to explain, Um, but it's incredible. So, yeah, I mean, suffice it to say, we enjoyed this movie. Obviously, we need to talk spoilers, but before we do, we got to put in our official popcorn ratings. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Now, if you've never listened to an episode of the Popcorn Diet podcast before, welcome. We do our ratings a little bit differently. Instead of thumbs up, instead of stars, we have our spectrum of popcorn. Burnt popcorn means a movie is garbage. I don't think we've ever given out a burnt popcorn before because burnt popcorn means we absolutely hated it. Don't waste your time under no circumstances. It's not worth it. Stale popcorn is pretty bad. It's it's not great. If you are desperate and in a pinch, I guess you could go for it, but it's it's really not going to be very satisfying. Microwave popcorn is right there in the middle. Your mileage may vary. Some people really like microwave popcorn. Some people don't really find it all that satisfying. Microwave popcorn is middle of the road. Movie theater popcorn is you should go see this in a movie theater. Uh, You know, maybe not rush to it, but definitely put it on your schedule to invest the time to go to a movie theater to watch the movie. And then perfect popcorn is go out and see this movie on the biggest screen you can as soon as possible. And if we're ever in the middle, our version of a quote unquote half star is we throw a soda in there. We throw, you know, movie theater popcorn and a soda or microwave popcorn and a soda. So with all that being said, David, what is your popcorn rating for Spider-Man No Way Home? Man, it. uh, When I walked away from it, I felt like I was putting it at movie theater popcorn and a soda. So I know I was surprised when we first shared our initial reactions. I was like, oh, interesting. So not quite perfect popcorn i feel like this is one that upon rewatch it could easily move into perfect popcorn um but i think i'm going to stick with movie theater popcorn and a soda so not quite perfect popcorn um loved it like i said it's it's high on my marvel list maybe having it that high on my marvel list means that it needs to be perfect popcorn but for some reason there was just little nitpicks that I had that that took away. And and like I said, I think with so much going on, I think upon rewatch, it easily could go into perfect popcorn, because even as I've sat and thought about it, I feel like I've appreciated it more. But I know for a fact you're going perfect popcorn. Spoiler alert. So I'm just going to be contrarian a little bit. (laughs) Shock, shocker. It's perfect popcorn. Like I like I don't know what it has what to say that hasn't been said already. Like this is everything you want. And listen, there's an existential conversation about what is a movie theater movie anymore and what is getting put on streaming. Blah blah blah. This is what you go to the movies for. Like this is the communal experience. And if that means movies 
if that means that this is the only way that movies survive is these big event type movies, then honestly, like I can live with it. Like I, I don't like it. You know, I don't, it's a bummer that we can't see maybe comedies, you know, on, on, on the big screen anymore or dramas or what have you. But like, this was like going to a concert. This is like going to a sporting event, like the cheering and the, 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 the group experience that you get. Does it, does that like, does that skew my vote a little bit? I don't know. Maybe, but this movie's phenomenal. It's perfect popcorn for me. Like go, obviously, obviously Omicron and, and COVID and the holidays and everybody is, is getting COVID fatigue again, get your booster, wear your mask and go see Spider-Man no way home because it's incredible. I promise you, you'll enjoy it. Uh, with all that being said, David, this movie absolutely needs to be talked about in spoilers. And so we're going to do that after a quick break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of the Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider Becoming a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. And we're back. Spoilers, David. Now, I mean, let's just talk about it. Spider, let's not bury the lead. Toby Maguire as Peter Parker, Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker show up in this movie. And it's incredible. Um, what were your thoughts on the Spider-Man? Because I know you and I, we were talking. I know one of my biggest takeaways is like Garfield brings this like chaotic energy about him. There are just a couple moments in the film that I'm just like, Andrew Garfield's as great as Tom Holland is. Andrew Garfield comes in as like the greatest sixth man in the history of six men with yeah. his facial expressions and his line deliveries. He's incredible. Um, Toby's great. Toby's like the old wise Peter Parker again, kind of earnest and whatnot, but how did you like the inclusion of the Spider-Man? I, I enjoyed it. Um, I've never been a huge Toby Maguire fan. Um, eh. Probably, probably didn't help when, uh, when I watched Molly's game and, and read about how, he was player one of the X. characters in there is uh, pretty much around him because he's always kind of come off as someone that I feel like is kind of a douche as a as a person. But a little bit, um, a little bit. <laughs> but that being said, um, I feel like the way that they use the two characters between Garfield and and Toby, like they didn't try to make Toby too funny in it like you said they kind of used him more as like the oldest wisest you yeah. know kind of treated it almost like the order in which we got the trilogy was kind of the age in which we got them 
Um, the thing that I thought was interesting to try and like figure out in your head is like, where are we getting these characters? Like at what point from their, their multiverse lives. are we getting yeah. them? Like, you know, because it never really settles with like the villains, like at what point we snatch them out of their timeline in essence. Um, obviously they still have to be alive. So we know that it was before they died, but outside of that, we don't really know where in that timeline, uh, it was, but you know, I was glad it wasn't emo, uh, Toby that we, uh, <laughs> snatched into there, although that could have been funny. Um, no, but Garfield was just so great. The funny thing is, is having watched tick, tick, boom recently, I felt like at times he was like waffling between his tick tick boom character and uh and his spider-man uh sure, just like the manic energy yeah exactly because of the same energy that he kind of portrayed at times in this movie to how he was in tick tick boom but um he was my mvp um he was fantastic like holland's great and obviously um you know we see a different side to his spider-man than what we've seen like sure. he's always been kind of you know friendly and innocent and this one we we kind of dabble into like a darker you know angry side of him um but still for me he's got a lot of pain inside of him and you see that come out when he talks it's incredible yeah but uh i uh i really enjoyed you know the way that we we used them i didn't think there was too many you know because anytime you bring them back it's easy to like want to just hit some softballs out there as far as like jokes we can make or sure you know things we can pull you know but i felt like they were fairly restrained in that like i i appreciated the uh the amazing uh joke you know telling uh telling garfield's spider-man that he's amazing multiple times yeah, um obviously literally, that's what your movies were called they were the yeah. amazing spider-man yeah and marvel yep. and marvel.com has them now on like marvel.com where his spider-man is referred to as the amazing spider-man toby's is referred to as your friendly neighborhood spider-man like it's great it's so it's so great um the whole like there was there's the moment where they're talking about you know i was in the avengers and they're like what is that and he's like i'm peter one you're peter two and he just goes i'm peter three and they go and they run and they jump off like that like 90 seconds of film like might be my most favorite 90 seconds of film all year you know i'm i'm not sure uh but it's just so good and the way that i like they straight up call toby mcguire like are you going to dress up like a youth pastor um in the mm-hmm. film which is maybe one of the best jokes in the movie they were as you said they were brought in and given purpose. They're brought in and they are in a not insignificant amount of the movie. They, I could have literally just what I like. And I don't know. I, I mentioned the action sequences and whatnot, but like. For as amazing as it was to watch all three Spider-Man swing off the Statue of Liberty, which was, again, amazing. Um, just sitting and watching them talk in like science lab doing science stuff. was so much fun. It was so good. Yeah, that that might have been my favorite like stretch of the movie. Is they got when the pointing we first meme get them. in there, kind of. They didn't do it exactly, but they were like, Peter, 
And then they're like, what, Peter, me, Peter. And they're point, pointing at each other and they yeah, yeah, yeah. pull that off. Like. I was just I was just amazed by it. I was amazed by it. Not only that. And obviously you can throw in any more about the Spider-Man as you wish, but. Daredevil's in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like like Matt Murdock is in this movie. And, you know, obviously the end of the last Hawkeye spoilers for two Hawkeyes ago, I guess. Reveals that Kingpin is here. There the implications of that are incredible, but even Daredevil comes in. He's in the movie for two minutes and crushes it. How did you like Daredevil's inclusion? Did you want more? You satisfied with the taste of it? I will say one of the things that maybe I don't wish we got out of this movie because that's not what this, even though the movie was initially marketed as like uh, legal battle, Spider-Man. I do. I am kind of bummed we didn't get a lot more of the legal battle of like Spider-Man and, oh, you killed Mysterio and all, you know, oh, Tony Stark, you know, bequeathed you all of this tech and stuff like that. I could have could I have had a little more of that? Sure. Would that have made the movie three and a half hours? Yes, I understand that. But how did you like how that all worked out? How did you like the inclusion of Daredevil, the legal stuff? How, how did that work for you? Yeah, I think that's where it gets into some of the stuff where I get kind of nitpicky about it is. Like, I feel like we started with this big reveal of the Spider-Man, yada, yada, yada. Um, and like we set up this whole like he can't be himself anymore. Like, you know, this this world has basically crashed in on him. Like we talked about homecoming, how he was able to kind of balance being a high school student with being Spider-Man. And like, that's always been kind of the theme of like Spider-Man throughout the history, like his balance between being, you know, a normal person with a girlfriend and an aunt and all that kind of stuff. And right. You know, being a reporter and that kind of stuff with, you know, being Spider-Man and having this secret identity. And that's, you know, superhero movies for the most part in general, like, you have this multi this two life and that comes crashing down in the beginning but then we get the strange sequence and that triggers off the multiverse and like the whole pursuit of this whole like or drama of like everybody knows who spider-man is is kind of secondary obviously to we've got four villains from a another uh (laughs) timeline that have right. come back to uh, to wreak havoc. And so for me, that was one of my like nitpicks. Like we never really went that to your point. It probably would have needed to be like three, three and a half hours to to fully flesh that out and move into it. Um, so, again, it's it's a nitpick. I loved seeing Daredevil in there to me. Anything, you know, to to me, New York, one of the great parts about like New York as a setting is how many characters we have in this this city that like New York is home to. And so i like when we acknowledge that, like, this isn't just where Spider-Man is like, there's other characters that this is their home and things to like, even if they're just little nuggets and cameos like this was, it just brings the world together a little bit more and, um, makes it make sense and, and cohesive, um, you know, New York having been there, you know, obviously is, 
crazy huge and like has so many different like areas that feel like their own place um but part of a larger place and i think that's kind of how you know all these characters when you know you get to the netflix series with jessica jones and yeah and all of those like they were all in this city but like it's realistic to know that like they were kind of in their their neighborhoods or their territory in that but absolutely spider-man is kind of stretched across some of those borders obviously in in that so seeing some interaction between someone that you know is there and like you always ask like what are this what is this character doing while all this is going on like we know that they've stepped in and been a hero like where are they you know like kind of like when avengers happened and stuff happened in new york like you were always like i wonder what luke cage was doing when the chikari were uh coming in you know like stuff like that so um i think anything to kind of connect this world is is always fun so i like to have in a minute yeah i did too i'm excited to see uh i'm excited to see where it continues to grow and 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 the the other thing you know very similar as you mentioned much like you know the characters in new york and whatever is that i do feel like these offshoots really work well and they don't necessarily um i mean with eternals eternals kind of broke my brain and eternals <laughs> kind of like i'm still waiting to see what the ramifications of eternals are um but like it kind of works that we got hawkeye over here off to the side and he doesn't need to call in any of the other avengers or we got like th- there's no real deep sense of like oh how does this connect into the larger universe it's just there you Mm -hmm. know it just exists and it does in these little ways that i particularly find to be satisfying um who's your favorite villain out of all of them we got we got doc ock who's just dope like doc ock is incredible all-timer we already talked about defoe and green goblin and the way that they played off his like dual identity and his his split personality, especially in that sequence where he's like in the in the apartment using his spider sense to try and figure out like which one of these guys is his broken bad is mm-hmm. incredible. Jamie Foxx as the new electro just is so much better than blue electro. Like his design is way cooler. They give him his electro kind of mask made out of electricity and whatnot. And then Sandman and, and and Lizard are kind of there. Lizard is almost like hilariously, it's almost part of the joke where it's like the lizard wanted to turn a bunch of people into lizards. He's a weirdo. He's off to the side. We're going to stick yep. him in the van. He's going to stay in the van. Sandman still has a little bit of like apathetic pathos that I really enjoy. Like he really doesn't give a shit about anything except getting back home to his daughter he doesn't trust anybody. He doesn't, you know, all this kind of stuff. So like having him and, and I like that they carried that over. I like I loved how they carried over in just little moments of dialogue, the relationships between these characters, the way Doc Ock comments to Toby McGuire about it's like, oh, my boy, you've grown, you know, and how Toby McGuire said he's just trying to be better or the conversation that Jamie Foxx has with Andrew Garfield like are so weirdly rewarding. What was your favorite villain or aspect of the villains or, or moment, whatever? Yeah. Well, I think the most fun moment was, was the beginning when 
um, when he uh, basically Bluetooths his uh, his, uh, his his arms. arms. Yeah, um, that was those were some of the funnier moments I feel like of, of bringing those villains back and some of the interactions there. And I thought it was great. And Melina was great. Um, but I think it has to go to, you know, we're, we see why Defoe is, is, is Defoe and, and how great he is and how great he was at, at green goblin. Like he plays that kind of split personality so well. Um, he's so menacing as, as goblin and so hateable as goblin but right. does such a great job of switching out of that um and it just took me back like you know all these years later you know seeing him on screen playing that character like i felt like it was a direct extension even though we're this many years removed like it felt like the same exact character you know that we had what close to 20 years ago now at this point so yeah. So, um, I, I think, you know, all credit goes to him. He, he was asked to do the most, I think to him and Molina probably, um, I do agree with you that Fox was greatly improved and, um, you know, I don't want to say they redeemed his, his character from what it was in amazing Spider-Man, but, uh, it's definitely way better than what we got in that one. So I'm just, I'm just disappointed. We didn't get Giamatti back in his rhino suit. Dude, me too. I mean, that would have made the perfect, although they did do like, there is that great joke where they're talking about like, Oh, I fought an alien. Oh, I fought an alien too. And he's like, I fought a guy in like a rhinoceros machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just so very good. It's, I can't, uh, I, I literally can't express enough how much fun that was. Now, one of the one of the move one of the things that this movie does is it shakes up the status quo a ton for Spider-Man. And I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it is that obviously the biggest thing is that Aunt May dies. Uh, this isn't the first time Aunt May has died in Spider-Man like lore, like Aunt May. Uh, as a matter of fact, her death is is actually a little similar to um her death in the uh most recent Spider-Man game, not the Miles Morales one. Spoilers for the Insomniac Spider-Man game, I suppose. Um, but Aunt May dies in that one, and it's got a very similar emotional effect. And that kind of serves as the Uncle Ben moment, if you will. You know, she gets to say the, you know, great power, great responsibility um, line and things like that. That's huge. I, did you think that that worked out well? Did you, like, uh, I thought that that was incredible. That was, again... Like that led to some of the most emotional parts of the movie for me that I thought were were incredibly effective. Um, that's just one big thing that it did. Yeah, I'm I'm conflicted on that scene. Um, obviously, I think it was well acted and well done from that standpoint. My my issue with it more is like, I guess my brain understands why it was done. You know, with this whole concept of the multiverse you know, from what we got from even into the spider verse and, and from what we've gotten thus far is that like, you know, they may not have the same paths, but there's kind of the same landmarks and things like that. And so like having that, like someone still needs to do the, with great power comes great responsibility line, you know, but this is how it was different versus what it was for, uh, Toby Maguire's Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, like 
this is kind of how this timeline is different or, or this multiverse is, is different. Um, so like, I get that from like that standpoint and I get needing like a trigger. Um, I don't know for some, for whatever reason, I felt like I would have just preferred not to like force that line in, but I get that it builds that connection between the other lines. And it's obviously an iconic line that we hadn't gotten yet in this Spider-Man, but like, for me, it just didn't feel like it didn't feel needed. Like had we gone through this movie and not gotten that, like I would have been fine. Like I didn't need that. Like we could have had a, uh, an aunt may dying scene without like shoving that line in there. Um, sure. So like for me, like it was fine and I get it and it all makes sense. And the scene obviously, you know, is, is, is well done. Um, but like, I, I just, that was one of the parts where I'm like, ah, they're doing this again, like that kind of thing. Um, and so it, again, it it was fine. It just wasn't one of my favorite moments. Yeah. It's um, I mean, it leads into and it leads into the next couple of things, which is it was one step the the the, the one of the bigger points of, of conversation about this Peter Parker is that he's had it way too easy, is that he was recruited by Tony Stark. He was given his Spider-Man suit by Tony Stark. He's got Tony Stark's tech. You know, he's got the A.I. He's got all the different webs and stuff like that. And as amazing as that is. He never really got to be friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He was almost in the Avengers like right away. And Aunt May dying and delivering that with great power comes great responsibility. It just kind of reframes everything into this like much longer Spider-Man origin story where this movie's goal. This other thing we didn't talk about. This movie's and sad. Like, this doesn't end with, like, the rousing moment of, like, victory or anything. Like, it ends with Peter Parker sacrificing the memory of himself. Literally, nobody knows who Peter Parker is anymore. They all know who Spider-Man is. They all know Spider-Man exists. But he is truly alone as a, as a, as a, not as a superhero, because, Spider-Man still exists. Obviously, everybody would still know that Spider-Man fought with the Avengers and things like that. But as a person, you know, completely alone, making his own classic red and blue suit that makes him the new, and I don't know what they'll wind up calling him, but like the new friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And in that context, like it worked for me because... They didn't do the typical origin story before. They didn't do the biting of the spider. This was an origin story for his character, right? And I don't mean like the character of Peter Parker. I mean like who he is as a person, you know, not like character in the filmmaking sense. Like I'm playing a character talking about like their metal, his metal, you know, and and I thought that that was all incredibly effective. There wasn't anything that really stuck out to me as like, unnecessary although you made a good argument before which is like who in their right mind would give up all the tech you know to make it harder on themselves yeah at the at the same time you know when you see the loss that he's witnessed and and experienced and when you see the pain that his you know 
whatever presence is caused. Like I, to me, I can make that connection, right? I well, can make that connection as to why he would do that. Well, and I think on that, like two, two last nitpicks. And again, I really like the movie, but I think the other thing with the, the aunt may was that like aunt may thus far in this series in homecoming was like this kind of like aloof, like, ditzy aunt may like you know you think about her like in the chinese restaurant or at home you know like that kind of stuff and then in the second one we had kind of like she's stepping up and leading a little bit like because that was i believe that was like post blip um and you know you had the happy romance of uh so to speak um within that but then like they tried in this movie to like make her like this like wise like parent who's like really like you know pushing peter to be better but like we hadn't really had that side of her leading up and so like it felt like we kind of were like we got to establish like that side of her before we go and kill her so it'll make sense that she's doing this with great power comes great responsibility but again it's getting nitpicky but i think the other thing um Uh, that you were talking about with the tech. Like, I think my thing with that is like, the other thing is, is like everybody forgot who he was. So like, you know, cause I could see one argument about like, well, like he can't wear the old suit because like, it'll be connected with, you know, Stark and all those other things and, and all the history of that. But with them erasing the memory of Spider-Man, I would assume it also erases the memory of that suit. So like you have this and maybe he's keeping it. And like, this was just, you know, he was going out for a, a spin and, uh, you know, he's keeping the, uh, the Stark suit for later. But, um, again, I, it's, it's nitpicks, it's, it's little things, but, um, it's, it's fun to see him back in that, that costume. Obviously Marvel has a, has a big history. I feel like throughout all of these movies of, you know, finding a way to naturally bring the like iconic look into it even if it doesn't have that, you know, right out the gate. Right. You know, well, it, and also, the, you know, I don't know. Aside from the homecoming suit, I think this is like the bluest suit that Spider-Man has ever had, because even. Um, um, McGuire and, and Garfield, like their blues are always a little shaded darker. Right? For sure. And this last blue is almost baby blue. Like it is light blue. It is OG yeah. comic book Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and it looks great. And we only get to see it flipping around and and you know in the winter and stuff like that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But but hot damn, <laughs> does does it look good in motion? Um, it shows him. Uh, you know, it shows it. He was at a sewing machine and stuff like that. I love the decision for him to, you know, people have, I've already seen people, people always, you know, overthink the the stuff. The sacrifice that he makes to let everybody forget who Peter Parker is, is really good. He goes in to the diner where MJ works, gets a little cup of coffee. That's got little Greek like lettering on it says, how can we serve you? Um, decides not to tell MJ and Ned who he is, decides not to, you know, ruin their lives because they look so happy. They're in MIT, whatever, and doesn't want to put them in danger. Right. 
what I like is that, yeah, they're going to MIT, so they'll they'll be in Boston at, at some point in time. But what I like is that a little bit after that, and there is a passage of time because suddenly we're we're at Christmas again, like we're at Rockefeller Square. So I don't know how big the passage of time is, maybe a day or two, maybe a week or two, whatever. It cuts to that shot of his sewing machine that he's been sewing his new suit together. And he's got that cup on his desk. And to me, that reads as he went back again. So I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong. Maybe it could be just the cup from that first visit. And the whole idea is like, how can I serve you? Like that is his his mission in life. You know, he's a servant. He's a, a servant of the city. But I, I like that touch. I like that they included that cup in that shot. Uh, all right. Last thing we got to talk about, and that's the future, man. As we always do with the Marvel movies, where where do we go from here? Where do you think Spider-Man goes from here? We already talked about no Star Tech. We already talked about the fact that people still know who Spider-Man is, that Jameson is still railing on Spider-Man as a menace. But do you think we get a new trilogy of Spider-Man movies? Do you think they play a long game where, you know, maybe he meets a Gwen Stacy, maybe he meets a Harry Osborn, even though there's no Oscorp in this universe. And then at the very end, they bring Zendaya in and boom, they're back together. Like, is that a possibility? Do you see that happening? If you had to guess where Spider-Man is going, where do you think? We didn't really talk about the, we didn't really talk about the stingers either, which we got Venom left behind. We got a little symbiote left behind in the MCU now just creeping around, although it's in Mexico. So I don't know how it I don't know what flight it has to take to get to New York. There's a lot of possibilities. Where do you think it could go? Well, unfortunately, what's looming over all of this for me is the what happens between Marvel and Disney between them and Sony. how how negotiations progress um obviously this has technically been a collaboration between sony and marvel from a distribution standpoint and that kind of stuff as well or maybe not distribution standpoint but and there's when you watch it it's not to everybody's making money like there's no reason not to yeah but that doesn't stop sony i mean they've had a little bit of success with the venom movies as far as box office and like true i'm sure i'm sure they're thinking in their mind like what would be better than like having tom hardy and and tom holland go at it in a movie and i don't know that that's necessarily in line with like where marvel would choose to take them from that direction now obviously they left the trail of the the symbiote um which doesn't necessarily mean we need tom hardy like that could latch on to anybody they want um and you could, could get be a different Eddie Brock in this in the MCU. You, yeah, you could get a a a Venom movie. I do think, you know, because there's always been the talk of like, is Tom Holland the next Tony Stark? Like, is he the the f- replacement to that like role that Tony played uh, from kind of like the techie person? Sure. Um, you I know, mean, clearly. I'd say the answer is no after the end of this movie. Yeah, at the end of this movie, it's clearly no. Like to me, like the direction that this seems to be hinting at is more of like 
like we talked about a neighborhood Spider-Man, but are you really going to like, after you've had him literally go to space and fight aliens and things like that, are you going to reel him back in all the way to like, just having a simple movie plot where like Spider-Man goes against Venom? Like, are you really going to take it down to that small of a, a level? Um, I don't know. It feels difficult. Part of me feels like this may be the last Tom Holland Spider-Man movie to me. I know there's rumors that they're they're working on, you know, another three movie contract of bringing right. him back. He said he's, you know, willing to come back as Spider-Man, um, although he was on record saying that, you know, his hope because he's getting older, like I think he's is he in his 30s or close to his 30s? No, Tom Holland. Yeah, I can't remember. He made some comment about like 25. Yeah. So but again, like another movie is not going to come out for at least a couple of years. So if you're doing three movies, he would be playing Spider-Man into his 30s. Um, So like he said, like, I think there's a problem if I'm still playing Spider-Man into my 30s type of thing. I think he's negotiating for more money. I think he's Uh, the court of public opinion. I don't know. Um, but he's he's on record of saying, like, I I would love to see them tell a Miles Morales story versus another Peter story. Um, I think it's more likely like Holland sticks around and plays his character, but is more like shows up in other things than than necessarily has three more movies of his own. It would go against what we've seen from Marvel thus far, like even even iron man tony stark only got three movies like right thor we are getting thor's uh gonna be on getting, what movie four getting his up? fourth but also like tom holland has played spider-man in in more movies than most people have he was spider-man in civil war he was spider-man in infinity infinity war infinity war and Endgame. War, Endgame. so like he's got three other movies under his belt as well to help grow this character. You know? Yeah, but so does so did Captain America and sure. Iron Man and all those characters. Like they were in the Avengers movies too. So um, from that standpoint, I don't know. I could see them easily being like, "We're not going to force this back." Um, there's plenty of other stories to tell. There's other Spider Mans to bring into the fold, um, like Miles Morales. Um, so again, I would say. If I put a, if I put a percentage on it, I think it's less likely, you know, like I'd go like 40 percent that we get another Tom Holland solo Spider-Man movie um, and I'd go 60 percent that we don't get it. So um, but I, I mean, I'm here for it. Like, I'm obviously not going to be opposed to having it. I sure. just think with what they've been doing and how many like new characters they're injecting and you know, obviously, you know, they're, you know, continuing. I mean, one of the things about this, where they're at right now is like, it's clear that they're, and rightfully so, like making a big emphasis on like diversity of their characters and things like that. Um, And so like, I just think they have so much else going on. Like, I don't know that they're going to bring back like, um, yeah, I will see. We'll see. It's it's almost at three hundred million dollars. Hollywood runs on money. I got to I got to imagine that they're going to find ways to keep this going. Last yeah. thing. To ma- 
go ahead actually i i would say the thing though about that box office like that is based off of the the buzz of we've got green goblin back we got doc ock we've got you know other spider-mans and things like that like don't get me wrong like i think this movie another spider-man movie would have done incredible in the box office but i don't think it would be raking in the dough like it is had it not played this card of bringing in these other spider-mans and these villains from our history like you can't play that card twice i mean I mean, not in a logical way. Like if you just wanted a money grab, like you could easily play that card again, but like in a logical way and and the way that Marvel has approached this, like you can't really play that card again. So again, I still think if they did a fourth Spider-Man movie, it would make lots of money and be very successful, but I don't think it would be on this level again um, because it's not going to have that aspect going for it. Maybe we'll see. We do have two Spider-Verse sequels. We got a part one and a part two coming out. So we'll see where that comes in. Last thing we got to talk about. Multiverse of madness, baby, like the multiverse is here. We literally saw the cracks in the sky of we saw silhouettes of Rhino. We saw silhouettes of of uh, Scorpion and Black Cat and Craven the Hunter. We saw this, the Doctor Strange trailer, Doctor Strange will return where we got all kinds of multidimensional tomfoolery happening. Do you have any thoughts or ideas as to what we might be getting from the Doctor Strange multiverse of madness? Number one, Sam Raimi coming back to direct it. Crazy. Number two, like the trailer itself which I don't know if it'll be released as an official trailer because it never got like a title card or anything like that. It just says Doctor Strange will return. But like, it looks legitimately creepy and scary. And there are a couple of shots that look legitimately creepy and scary. And then there are a couple of shots that look like, you know, superhero movie where Doctor Strange cut to bust in half with a spell in the middle of, you know, New York. But we got Doctor Strange Supreme from What If showing up. We got Dreadlock Mordo showing up. We got Wanda Scarlet Witch in there as well. I don't even know what could be predicted. Like, I don't I have no idea what's going to happen in that movie. Um, I think we are going to finally meet what is the. Like, maybe not in a huge way, uh, but I think we're going to finally understand, like, what is the main antagonist of like this phase of of marvel like again i don't know who's if the, it's gonna who's the big bad who's yeah the, who's, who's the, the big thanos? bad in us who's who's the big bad who's the thanos and i don't know I that it's gonna it's, i still think it's kang well and i don't know if it's gonna follow like the script of the first phase where it's like it's just thanos and sure. his crew and him trying to get stones like I don't know that it's going to directly correlate to that, but like, I think, I think there can be a character behind it, but like, I think, you know, we may carry on more what was started in Loki where it's like this whole concept of like timelines crashing in and like, how do we put things back together and that kind of stuff. And so I think obviously it, 
the the cool thing about this is like literally every character we've ever met is free to be used in this like it's true even robert downey jr if they wanted to bring back iron man he could easily be brought back even and i've heard rumors and and they you know they show up on like 4chan or whatever even potential mutants or x people even potential fantastic four people yeah like literally anything anything is is game for the like anything is possible with what we have set up for this like no no character is off limits and so like that that i think is the exciting part um but if i was also in charge if i was kevin feige and in charge of the direction of this like that would also be the super overwhelming like how do you show restraint and still tell something that makes sense right without like just convoluting it with all the things you can do you know like that's that's why they're they're they make lots of money and and uh i you know they've built up our faith that that uh they'll figure it out and and do a good job with it like if this was in the hands of dc i would say we're screwed but um feige is a hell of a project manager he is put that out there well i'm excited i can't wait for more mcu to show up um i'm like i think to put a capper on the year like it has been just just, no i mean uh, you know people have weathered the last couple years in their own ways but personally speaking it's been a real difficult last couple years you know with everything and the fact that marvel has put together almost an entire yearly slate of content that while you know they don't reach not all of it reaches the 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 heights of our favorite marvel content you know not everything can be avengers endgame but like black widow's pretty good even if i liked eternals for as divisive as that movie is pretty good all of the shows pretty good and like that's a hell of an accomplishment and just to cap it with with spider-man no way home incredible i can't wait to see what they do next year very excited i think that does it for us before we wrap i want to remind everybody again that they can get free episodes of the popcorn diet sent to them just by hitting subscribe hitting that follow button take a second wherever you're listening to us hit that button give us a rating write us a review and share us with your other good movie buddies also don't want you to forget to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider supporting an independent film podcast, you know, at a time when film desperately needs our support. Obviously, a lot of people went and saw Spider-Man this weekend, which is great. Check us out on patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the popcorn diet. And last, but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles and more on our website popcorndietpodcast.com but for the canadian machine mr david melhorn i am your very best good movie buddy rick williamson and we'll see you next time with another good movie on the popcorn diet adios